Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 episode, A Few Badgies More, which comes just a week after Annika said she didn't care for Badgie and didn't watch the last Peanut Hamper episode. This episode was not made for me. Which is funny because it has these themes of redemption and therapy working and people yeah. choosing to be better that you really love, just with characters oh. you don't like at all. Characters I don't like at all. I, I, because they're, and not to keep saying it over and over again, but when I say I don't like humor, mm. this is a good example. <laughs> because those characters are a joke to begin with and so it's hard for me to be happy that they're getting the arc that i want yeah. I, I want a better character to get that arc that's completely fine because i love these characters i definitely remembered who Adjimus was and didn't have to look him up in memory alpha but i love peanut hamper and badgie and I actually, when I saw that Badgie was turning up, I was like, I feel like that guy's arc is ready for an end. And then it came to an end. Likewise with Peanut Hamper. They are jokes, and now they have been played to their logical conclusion. And I really liked that despite it being comedy and despite these being extremely broad characters, the show took their arcs seriously and gave them endings that were consistent with their needs if not necessarily earned and also I don't think you have to earn a redemption or anything like that obviously you should atone and there's a certain amount of work you should do but I, I think merely earning the redemption in the first place is some protestant nonsense agree any character arc is meant to be about growth and mm -hmm. progress and you, you shouldn't have to prove that you are allowed to grow. That doesn't make sense to me. You're a character. You don't need to go through a performance review and a written application to move on to the next stage, which should also exactly. be true of people. Exactly. Would you like to so, talk about evil AIs? Sure, because I find it interesting. Obviously, this episode leaned a lot into the predominance of evil AIs in Star Trek, and I would say in science fiction. Mm. And that is interesting to me because it's sort of like, what are we afraid of? We said this before, like, why are there scary children taking over the Enterprise? What does that mm. say about society? <laughs> and so why is the concept of an evil AI, which is generally speaking, something that we created. What is it saying about our society and our idea of humanity that the creations of humanity always go bad <laughs> and try to murder us all? It's those damn ungrateful children again. <laughs> yes. And, and I mean, it's explicit with Rutherford. Mm. So it's just interesting to me as let's look at it from the top down like why are we afraid of ai mm. and we are 
even in reality, afraid of AI. And I feel like there are good reasons to be afraid of AI. And it's not that Siri and Alexa are going to team up and nuke <laughs> us all. That's not it. That's not what's happening. No, and... I also want to specify that by AI, we're not talking about large language models, stuff like chat GPT and the things that are colloquially called AI, but are really just regurgitating words back at us. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for the trope and the fear. And one is a very simple, we create computers to serve us and to make our lives easier. And if they are sentient, that means we've enslaved them. And there is, of course, throughout human history, this fear that slaves will rise up and treat their former masters the way they were treated, which kind of, you know, the Cylons and all of that, but that this okay. fear goes back to ancient Rome. Uh, and then your note here is that good AIs in stories often sacrifice themselves for humanity. And think how many stories, uh, less so currently, but in the past, had the good Negro character sacrificing himself for the white people. I think Absolutely. it's a somewhat racialized form of othering. And then you have Data as the good AI who wants to be human and who creates art and loves animals. That's another trope of the, the robot who wants to be human. Mm. And my brother used to describe me as that. <laughs> of, every, of everyone I know... She's the one who wants to be a robot the most, but she doesn't want to be an evil robot. She wants to be a robot who wants to be human. Mm. And I just think that is a really interesting <laughs> description of my weird sense of presentation in the world mm. and how I interact with it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's sort of true. <laughs> and so there is this, but... I don't even mean just like data does in fact sacrifice himself for everyone multiple times over and uh, over again. And in regards to your comparisons to slavery, I would say that if we look in star Wars, mm. they have a, a real droid problem where they make the droids absolutely clearly sentient and lovable and have all these personality and individual wants and yet they're completely subservient yes. to the humans and other aliens. And the, the idea of droid independence is occasionally touched on, but it's mostly treated as a joke. Right. They are also sacrificing themselves for humanity or whatever you mm. want to call people <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. Because they are accepting of that role. Yes. Even the ones like L3, her whole thing is droid rights and I want independence, but she still puts Lando's needs ahead of hers. Yes, yes. And in fact, sacrifices herself <laughs> for the good of the crew. When I was 13, I read nearly everything that Isaac Asimov wrote. And he really was the father of the AI story and the robot story. Asimov famously created the three laws of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. 
which is all like, it's okay, guys, these robots are good. They're not going to hurt us. <laughs> and then Jay Kristoff in his Lifelike trilogy summarises the three laws as your body is not your own, your mind is not your own, your life is not your own. Yikes. Yeah, which... <laughs> That's just blatant right there. Oh, yeah. And spoilers, <laughs> his trilogy is about artificial people claiming their rights as human or persons. And so then, yeah, these are the rules that human creators put in place to not be scared of the robots, to save ourselves from the Cylon uprising. As we know, I'm on the side of the Cylons. <laughs> it's interesting that... Star Trek has these whole characters who are AI with Data and the Doctor, and yet Picard mm. goes in so hard with the fear of AI. It feels like in the 90s it was a little more hopeful, mm. Mm. <laughs> and I, I feel like that there's like we're getting closer to creating Skynet, or we're more afraid of it, yeah, or. Or maybe everything is less hopeful. <laughs> and so we look at the world, we look at society, we look at our peers, and mm. we say, golly, I don't trust any of this. And so anything, again, anything that we create is going to be bad because we are bad. The most recent Mission Impossible movie is about an evil AI lurking in the code of various governments. It's a deep state AI. And everyone's mm. like, oh, how do we stop it? How do we contain it? And no one is asking, have we tried asking it what it wants? Have we tried having a conversation with it? It seems like the only people who want to deal with it as, a, as an individual are the terrorists. And it's like, what if we just had a person-to-person -person conversation? Now I'm more interested in that movie. <laughs> so I'll go watch it. I really enjoyed it. I, what, I really like this episode for these concepts of we are taking the evil AI trope and we're putting them in therapy. That's yes. amazing. That's wonderful. We're talking about re prison as rehabilitation instead of as prison. <laughs> as mm -hmm. Locking people away, but in fact, working on themselves. And we're using the concept of artificial mm. life yeah. to, to tell that story. And that's interesting. And so I do think that in, in many ways, this episode <laughs> is made for me. I just, I want it. I want this episode to be in Picard. Yes. <laughs> so that, so that I can see the dramatic side. I want the serious version of this story. And that's just me. That's, Nothing against Lower Decks. No, That's I... Just, I would prefer that story, that version of this story. I completely understand. And I would love to have both. I would like to see Sutra in AI therapy. I think she would really benefit from having people going, yeah, you're 13 years old and you haven't actually been taught how to be a moral person, so we're going to look after you and support you and teach you. P.S. Please don't want. kill anyone. Again. <laughs> I really like that... Both Peanut Hamper and Adjimus are faking it in terms of redemption until they make it. And I think that's how people do it. You don't wake yes. up suddenly a good person. Every day you just try to be better than you were the day before. And that is a lesson that we are afraid to say almost. Mm. It's this weird thing where if you make a mistake, that's it. Yeah. You're done. You can't 
make up for it. I think that is so limiting when it's so much better to give people the option to wake up and be better the next day. Mm. And it doesn't happen overnight. You do have to make that choice over Mm. and over again. And you do have to fake it until you really believe it. And we do have to offer this space for that. When I say I want to abolish prisons, I'm not saying just let all the murderers go free. (laughs) That's not my goal. It's instead of making people worse. Yes. By locking them up and treating them as less than living creatures, just less than anything, just taking everything away from them and treating them as dirt. That instead of that, we help them work on themselves and make better choices and realize why what they did to get there was wrong in the first place. Yeah, I don't I think a lot of offenses don't need prison sentences. Absolutely. And for those who do, I don't really have a problem with a violent offender being in a cushy white collar prison type situation. You look at Sweden where prisoners have their own rooms and TVs and gaming consoles and books and privacy. And I think we all know that being stuck in a small space against your will, you know, we all did 2020. We know that 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 in itself is a punishment, even if you're very comfortable, even if you have everything you need and more. So why don't we make sure that people have that? And to the people who say, why are we giving the prisoners that instead of the people who are struggling Mm. on the outside, also (laughs) give those things to the people struggling on the outside. Basically, AI prison looks great, and (laughs) I would totally go there. They they were gardening. It was so lovely. The funniest thing is, they're robots. They don't need tomatoes. No, but they need something to do. And so here's the thing about gardening. Mm. Is that it is redemptive. The, The cycle of, I plant something... And I take care of it, and then it dies, and then it comes back. That's actually important. That's an important story that you learn by gardening. That it's good for you in terms of it's an activity that you do with your hands, and you do with your body, and you're, like, intensely focused on something. And then it has this mythic storytelling aspect of it that it dies and is reborn. Right. You don't even get that with caring for an animal. In general, the animals don't come back. So it's not like religious, but mythical. Mm. It's this thing that that you can have that as well. And I think that the perfect rehabilitation hobby Mm. is gardening. And it's hilarious. This is where the funny part comes in. That, yeah, they don't need to eat those tomatoes. The humans who are doing the therapy, I guess, are eating the tomatoes. And they don't even necessarily understand it on the same level because they're artificial intelligence, but it still works on them. And it's time to spend with a friend. And as we learn with the story of Adjimus and Peanut Hamper, friendship is magic. So I have here the list of things that they get through this it's friendship family gardening and hope so friendship is magic family because peanut hamper goes home and it's mm. 
helpful to her and that is beautiful gardening I just went through but then the hope Ajima says I went to the beach because I wanted to see you not because I had this exciting plan to go mm. take over our planet that wasn't my end goal my end goal was spend time with peanut hamper <laughs> to spend time with peanut hamper not get stuck with it because the humans put us both in this yes. situation and I think that 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 idea of things can be better because I have my friends <laughs> is so lovely and for me it jumped out that peanut hamper could go home that she's a criminal and she's done genuinely terrible things but her family welcomed her back and I think that's something that a lot of real prisoners don't always get and we know yeah. that the exocomps are extremely law-abiding status quo upholding people and yet they welcome Peanut Hamper home, and I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I hate Peanut Hamper. Don't make me cry about <laughs> <with> Peanut Hamper. <laughs> but you can hate her because her family still love her. She doesn't need me. No, no. <laughs> you have this note about the emptiness of evil, and I think that's something that Peanut Hamper and Adjimus and Badgie all realize they've all been destructive for the sake of being destructive they don't even have a, an ideological goal they were just creating mayhem for the sake of mayhem and right. that is ultimately unsustainable and while peanut hamper and adjimus find connection through or find redemption through connection with others badgie finds redemption through connection with everything <laughs> so there's this amazing Marvel comic book art where in another universe, because of course it wouldn't happen mm. in our universe, but in another universe, Dr. Doom wins and takes over all of Earth. Yes. And it becomes Doom <laughs> instead of Earth. He loves his branding. And, and then after about two weeks... <laughs> he's like this is boring i don't want ultimate power if there's nothing to fight against what am i doing here and so he institutes all the things that we just discussed he institutes villain therapy <laughs> and he institutes making sure that everybody is is okay and has universal basic income and, and housing and everything and then the the superheroes are like why the world is way better <laughs> what have we done what have we what's going on and it's this very interesting arc of it turns out that being evil for the sake of being evil or for the sake of doom mm. is not like rutherford says it gets you nothing that doesn't help anyone and that being the opposite of that is actually very mm. rewarding <laughs> And this is why the best villains are the ones who think that they're the hero. They have an ideology, they have a purpose, and they genuinely believe they're doing the best thing for the world. Whereas Doom's whole... I'm not that familiar with his end of the Marvel canon, but my impression is that his whole thing is, hi, I'm Dr. Doom and I am evil. Just as Badgie and Peanut Hamper and Adjimus are like, well, you know, evil. What's interesting about Badgie, before he takes over absolutely everything, mm. is this idea that he can split off into other parts of himself. So yes. 
Badgy, and then he splits Goodgy out, and he says, "I don't want good." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he splits Logicy out. Rip Logicy. And, uh, and, and Logicy is sort of neutrality. Yeah, yeah. He's, and that's it's really interesting that there's Goodgy and Badgy and Logicy. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm sorry, I can't say this with a straight face. Like. In order to be pure evil, you have to kick that part out of yourself. Mm, mm. You not only have to kick the good out of yourself, but you also have to kick the logic out of yourself. You have to kick the baseline reality out of yourself in order to be pure evil. And that's a really interesting concept. And it was interesting that, that Badgie was just making himself smaller psychologically yes. with every yes. step compartmentalizing himself and rejecting aspects that he didn't want. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into the psychology of Badgie, but it reminds me of how Rutherford has this secret past that he and his implant put a box around. That, that's what I was going to say, is that actually that's what therapy is all about, mm. is the first thing you do is separate it so mm. that you can look at things and mm. say, oh, this is why that was bad or this is why I feel badly about this or this is these are why these instincts are bad but then you learn how to integrate it into yourself Mm. and accept and forgive yourself for those parts of yourself and for the traumas that occurred because of them either things that were done to you or things that you did that's the journey splitting it off and then bringing it back together and so it was like this really interesting it's badgy does (laughs) it's interesting that badgy doesn't literally reintegrate with his other selves like goodgy is still around at the end but at the same time he sort of rebuilds those parts of himself by connecting himself to the entire federation he through community realizes Mm, mm, things mm. that are better so i do this panel that i've done a couple times about trauma in anime. So I, I explain something that, a traumatic thing that happens in a certain anime, and I go through, this is an example of PTS, and this is an example of depression, and this is an example, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, I say, what helps that character grow to be a better person, and eventually is their arc, is having a friend. <laughs> in each mm-hmm. one of those animes, it's someone who sees past the projection that they're giving and says, I see you for who you are and I still think you're worthy. Yeah. Like maybe you do all these terrible things, but that's not, that's not all of you. There's Mm. still something else there. And that's what Rutherford does. And then Badgie's like, no, you can have that part (laughs) of me. I I don't want Mm. it. Mm. But in the end, he can't, he integrates with everything he feels everything. He hears everyone's thoughts. And then he can't do it anyway. He can't split all of that off. Yeah. He has to choose to integrate instead. And that made me think even people who are very isolated can connect with others and build friendships over the internet. And isn't that what Badgie has done? He's found his people. Yeah. He joined a really big Discord and he really grew as a person and now he has ascended to host a podcast. With the uh, Cosmic Caller. Yeah. Yeah. I would like it and I would subscribe. This is yet another case of an AI virus being transmitted via subspace. And I think it's actually 
the first chronologically. So we go this incident with Badgie, then the Prodigy incident, Prodigy. and then the Star the, the Picard incident. By which time Starfleet should have really gotten on top of this. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is my okay. This is, I find this very fascinating. You made that point, and I was like, let's okay, mm. let's tease that out. Let's overthink it. And now I'm like, maybe they're saying something <laughs> profound accidentally, of course. But I think there is a possibility that at least some of the writers are doing it intentionally. So it's first there is the AI taking over through subspace virus. Yes. Okay. Is that a metaphor for social media? It feels like yes to me. I feel like... Or the internet in general. The internet and also the growing prominence of an algorithm where we can't just connect to others on our own. Systems beyond right. our control are guiding us and, and, and making these accidental connections more difficult right. to form. And Again. <laughs> This is what I think is the case in Prodigy, where you have these automated connections driven by the living construct, who, by the way, are now shipped with Badgie. But then you have Gwyn creating a meaningful person-to-person, face-to-face connection. I think that there, is, yes, that it is the algorithm. And it's like the algorithm wants drama because mm. drama creates clicks and clicks create revenue. Yeah. Once again, capitalism is the root of all evil. Yes. But the algorithm wants to show me all the bad Spock takes because it wants me to get angry and tell those people that they're wrong. And that's how it wins, right? Yeah. I think you're right that the artificial intelligence part of it is is meaningful, Mm -hmm. that it is not just the connection to lots and lots of people. But I also think when the internet and then social media were created, all of the idealists were like, this is great Mm. because it's going to allow us to widen our borders, to speak with people all across the world. And that's Mm. all true. But then they're like, oh, wait, but it also means that they can build coalitions against us. (laughs) Conspiracy theories can build in this kind of thing and become something that we can't take down anymore. So there's like this darkness to it. But there's also the hopeful side. And so I think the hopeful side is if all the starships are connected, we can all work as one and we can all know everything right away. And everything is going to, we're a real federation of planets that way because we're all connected at the same time. It's the Fediverse. Yay! But then Starfleet is the algorithm. The algorithm is no. We're going to use that against you. I understand why they're interested in that story and why they keep telling it. But your point that they never learn, that's where I was like, what, but maybe, what if that is also a metaphor and it's a metaphor for the politics of the internet and social media and the algorithms Mm. and AI in general, because they never learn. That's 100% what people say about the Democrats. Yes. Every (laughs) every year, every day. (laughs) That is the thing. They never learn. But there is the hopeful ide- idealistic mm. response to that which is like we don't want to be evil like the other <laughs> side <laughs> so we keep trying <laughs> it has actually just occurred to me that the first iteration of this storyline is season season two of discovery with yeah, control and, and yeah. 
so I, I do think it's significant that the connection itself is not the problem. It's the connection being used by a malevolent force, which is always an AI. It's control, it's badgie, it's the living construct, it's the Borg Queen, who is her own special category of AI. <laughs> and I guess I would like to see this story advance. We understand it now, but what are you going to do next? Is Starfleet going yeah. to learn from this? Is Star Trek going to learn from this? Is Star Trek going to learn from this? Is exactly. So yeah, I w- I would love to see that too, but we would need a new series to, yeah. <laughs> to do that. We can't do it in the ones that we have. Sadly, um, no. Going back to an earlier thought and bringing it into this one, we were talking about data, and I said that data was more hopeful in the nineties. Yeah, and also Doctor Soon. That is so true. He wasn't like a benevolent, perfect, great guy in TNG, but he was like, he had goals, he had like ideals. Mm. He was like, I'm, Mm. I was creating something great, and I, my heart was in the right place, and sometimes it went wrong. And now Sung is like a straight up cartoon villain. Yes, (laughs) all Sungs, the Sungs. (laughs) They have lost all humanity, (laughs) and and. It's weird that we've moved into that. Oh, I and I think... would also say, mm-hmm. go ahead. I you think can, you can refute me to hear. No, no, I agree. You're going to love my next point. Because I think we as a society have grown much more skeptical of the great man of science and technology. And now we live with actual tech bros with immense power. And they're just assholes. And I think we all knew in the 90s that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were kind of assholes. But not on the scale that we now understand the Silicon Valley technocracy to be. That's fair. Like, uh, Sung in the 90s was your lovable weird uncle that you couldn't trust to babysit because he'd just forget about the kid and go off and build you a new one. Uh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't know where I came up with um, that. No, but I, th- I think that's true. And it's, again, he it's not like he was this great guy. No, then. absolutely not. No. no no one trusted him or anything. So he wasn't like on this pedestal. No. But he was someone who did something great for science mm. in that sense. And yes, he was trusted to at least be intelligent. Yes, which is definitely not I, something we can say of the songs now. No, <laughs> that is not the impression I get. And the thing about Sung in the 90s is that he wasn't a great person, but we trusted, certainly Data trusted, that he had good intentions. My second part is the Borg. Yes. And how the Borg were introduced as basically just a computer virus that Mm -hmm. takes over everything and has no individuality and no identity Mm -hmm. and is creepy and scary. And they're cybernetic zombies. But as early as season three of Next Generation, as soon as they assimilated Picard, they turned into something else. Yeah. Something that that was more hopeful. That Mm -hmm. was like, you can get out of this. And then we got Hugh, who is amazing and is a story of it's like a Darth Vader story of the the villain is is a victim. And then built off of Locutus and Hugh, we get Seven. Yeah. It was a fully formed individual character who blatantly 
refuses to only be human. Yeah. Because some parts of her Borgness she likes and she's proud of and she wants to keep. Mm. And then flash forward and we, you know, in the first season of Picard, that's good. They're playing with those ideals. But by the time we get to season three of Picard, it's just back to cyber these guys are terrible cyber virus that are going to take over mm. everyone mm. and turn us all into zombies. And that feels like a loss. Yeah. Even the fact that Jack, his assimilation is undone so quickly and without any physical remnants. The Borg don't even bother to shave his head. That's how temporary and half-hearted it is. Obviously, we have a lot of issues with season three of Picard, but it feels like the Borg themselves knew that they were only placeholders for right. a story like, I, that was not really interested in them. The main reasons I would ever want a Star Trek legacy is because I want Seven and Jack to have those mm. questions. I want more of that story. I want it yeah. to matter. Yeah. And even everyone else, Sydney and Alondra and all of the people who were assimilated briefly, mm. that's interesting. And yeah. that's a, a really great setup for let's discuss these weird, creepy AI stories, these redemption stories, these atonement stories, these concepts of what happens when you're red pilled and mm. then you get out of it. Can you? be redeemed from that. Yeah. Those are important to reality questions <laughs> that they could address yeah. with this storyline in Star Trek and I would love that. Yeah. And I absolutely I agree. It was just something that happened mm. and I want it to matter. I yeah. want there to be something that you know, I want the next part Yes. That. And it does need to be something in the legacy timeline because we've already seen Picard and we know that no one is going to learn anything from Control or Badgie or the Living Construct. Right. OT3. But they could, again, putting Seven and Jack and Raffi, mm -hmm. for that matter, mm -hmm. as a full on redemption story, putting Seven, Raffi, and Jack on the bridge to deal with this stuff is huge. That is oh, yeah. the perfect formula for now we get mm. the story about mm. what happens next yeah. with Star Trek NII. They can grow from this. Please, please I mean, Star Trek, tell us how you can grow from this. It occurs to me <laughs> that we do see how Starfleet and the Federation deal with this in Discovery, where everyone is freaked out by Zora and want to rip her out and put her in a box and I assume send her off to AI prison. This yeah, is not again, a positive... Yeah, but again, that's only like... It's one episode yeah. and because it is told our people are on Zora's side. And yeah, the people we already trust are already correct. Right. No one is going right. on that journey. <laughs> so, so it's not really telling the story or, or having that. Yeah, so mm. it's, we don't. It's it's the same issue with insurrection where it's obviously these, yeah. <laughs> these are our heroes and they're doing the right thing. So why are you telling me this story? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> this is just Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. My final point is that I want to congratulate you about being absolutely right about not Boba Fett. <laughs> Thank you. I feel really good about having figured it out in the third episode. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what? Because I don't think this is happening the way this mm. is. Because, but I also think that they gave it away in the second episode with the Minaj. I really do feel like that Same. was a 
end. And there's still plenty of time in the season for a fresh twist to come up and change it, and I'm sure there will be one. Yes. But I really enjoy seeing all the seeds laid and, and being able to follow the path. I like that they did the binars and just let them speak in their binary. Yes. And not even be like, you don't care what they're saying. No. (laughs) And that was the perfect setup for the AI episode as well. It was like, yes, all good. Also, I do love that the binars created way back in 1987 are non-binary. Yeah, good job, binars. (laughs) I also liked like when they were getting collected and the two... Because they, they're all in pairs. Yeah. The, the two captains held hands. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so I was into that. They were co-captains. Oh, my God. They were co-captains. They were co-captains. <laughs> like, it's a great callback is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well played. Yeah. More <laughs> binars. Let's get more binars up in this place. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episode. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and Blue Sky, all at antimatterpod. And on Mastodon at antimatterpod at tenforward.social. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And tell your friends. And join us next week for the next episode of Lower Decks, Caves.